Today we explore the final two songs from the Hobbit movies, Icy Fire from The Desolation of Smog and The Last Goodbye from The Battle of Five Armies. A couple of episodes ago, we looked at the songs from the first Hobbit film, An Unexpected Journey. So today we're going to finish that up. We're going to wander deep into these lyrics. But remember, just because you wander doesn't mean you're lost. Before we get started, please rate or review this episode if you're liking the show. Every five-star rating helps more Middle-Earth wanderers find our community. And remember to share this episode with a friend. Now, let's wander. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, so first on our list is I See Fire from The Desolation of Smog, the second Hobbit film. This song was written and performed by Ed Sheeran. And I don't know if anybody gave uh, Ed Sheeran any lessons in Lord of the Rings lore or Tolkien or if he's an actual big Tolkien fan. I actually uh, have no idea. As I really dug deep into these lyrics, I was really blown away by how connected they are with sort of the themes and the ideas that Tolkien presents in The Hobbit and the wider Lord of the Rings lore, including the Silmarillion. I have a couple of keys that I want to give you to help you understand the lyrics of the song a little bit deeper. Key number one is to look for transformative journeys as they are represented in the lyrics. For example, in the chorus, we'll see words that are describing more physical things, and those words gradually become more metaphorical. That's a bit of a transformative journey. There's also, across the whole song, we'll see that some things are rather distant and then things become rather close. We also are going to look at a lot of if-then statements, right? So if something happens, then we hope that this thing happens, and those statements will gradually be reduced to actual realities, where there is no more hypothesis, there is, more, there is no more hope, there is no more if, they are actual realities. So that's key number one, look for those transformative journeys. And in fact, the most transformative journey that you can find in The Lord of the Rings, as you look at the grand scope of things, is a theme that Tolkien called fall, F-A-L-L, when species turn against the will and the intent of their creators. Now, in a letter to his publisher, Waldman, Tolkien summed up this theme, quote, anyway, all this stuff is mainly concerned with fall, mortality, and the machine." It has various opportunities of fall. It may become possessive, clinging to the things made as its own. The sub-creator wishes to be the lord and god of its private creation. He will rebel against the laws of the creator, especially against mortality. And we're going to see that in the dwarves. This song, Icy Fire, really epitomizes the fall of the dwarves as they have 
fallen from the will of their creator, whether that is Aule, their actual creator, as we've covered in previous episodes, or Iluvatar, the one creator god who sort of adopted the dwarves in as their children. This song, I See Fire, sort of represents what happens when the dwarves have moved against that will, their, their natures, and have become too subjected into their own creations, into their own wealth, into their own power. So that's key number one, is look for the transformative journeys. Key, key number two is this: the first four lines of this song, and we'll get to this a little bit deeper in just a moment, but the first four lines of this song are a prayer that will keep getting referred to back throughout the rest of the song. That's why these lines are a little bit different. They're not really a chorus or a bridge. They are more like a preamble to the song, and uh, they represent a prayer. And we'll see throughout the rest of the song that there are moments of hope that call back or activate that prayer as it is said in the beginning of the song. Okay, and key number three. It's always good to ask who is singing uh, to whom and why. As we'll dig into these lyrics, I hope to sort of show you that the me here that is singing this song uh, is Durin's son. Uh, Durin, of course, being the first dwarf father created by Aule. And Durin's son being represented in the Hobbit story as Thorin, the last great king of Durin's folk. Now, also, who is, is he singing to from, from Thorin's perspective, right? We'll see that in the very first line of the song. The song is being sung from Thorin's perspective to Aule as sort of the guardian, the creator of the dwarf species. Okay, so let's dig into this a little bit. Let's look at the first four lines of the song, which I am referring to as sort of a prayer. So the first line, O misty eye of the mountain below. Now mountain, there's a clear on the surface reference of the lonely mountain that the dwarves are trying to reclaim. This was the home of Thorin and his father and grandfather where they had great wealth and great power and prestige. Uh, but also in the Silmarillion, the mountains are referred to as Aule's trees. So Aule, the creator of the dwarves, remember, he is one of the Valar, the guardians of Middle-earth, and he is their master craftsman. He is the one who is creating and building and crafting all of these wonderful and beautiful things, including the mountains. The mountains are Aule's creation. So this prayer begins by addressing, O misty eye of the mountain, right? Uh, I think that's actually in reference to, let's, let's call this prayer out to Aule as our creator who is supposed to be watching over us and keeping watch over Durin and his prosperity. That's really the second line there, right? Keep careful watch uh, of my brother's souls. Now, in the third and fourth line, we see our very first instance of a sort of if-then statement. Okay, and this is the overall arching if-then statement. Should the sky be filled with fire and smoke? Okay, so in other words, if, if there's fire and smoke, then keep watching over Durin's sons, right? So if there is fire and flame and smoke in the fate of, of the dwarves, then we hope that you will keep watching over us, right? We, that is our prayer to you, the eye of the mountain or Aule. That is our prayer to you. So then we get into verse uh, number one. And verse number one, and what we'll see in actually almost all of the verses, uh, and it's interesting when this changes, but in almost all of the verses, the first two lines, again, are one of those if-then statements. So verse number one, if this is to end in fire, then we should all burn together. 
right there from the very beginning, they're looking at, okay, what's going to happen? How is this going to end? And if it is going to end in fire, then we're going to have some solidarity. We're all going to burn together. We're all going to go down together. Uh, and also, this verse is pretty distant. It's almost as if they're watching from afar. This is different in the film than in the book. In the book, uh, Thorne actually explains that he was adventuring away from the mountain, and he saw the, the dragon attack from a distance. And so this verse actually really matches sort of that, that experience that, that Thorne gives. They're watching the flames fly higher out into the night. We're going to have to stand by as we watch the flames burn on the mountainside. It's something very, very distant. And yet that prayer is still activated. Remember, the prayer is, if we're going to end in fire, then please keep watching over us. So verse one is, we're ending in fire. We're going to be solidarity, but please activate that prayer. Please keep watching over us. Now we're going to dive uh, into verse number two. And again, look, the very first two lines there, verse number two, are one of those if-then statements. And this is a little bit more immediate than sort of the distance from verse one. Uh, In verse two, we get the, if we should die tonight, right? That immediacy, some urgency, then we should all die together. So we still have that idea of solidarity, except now it's a little bit, it's a little bit closer to us. Um, They're going to raise a glass of wine, which um, in most, most cases, wine is usually red. Uh, And, and uh, I'll say that because it's really interesting to Ed as he's writing these lyrics, he never actually describes fire in any of its colors. Uh, He sort of uses some metaphorical language. So a glass of wine, that's red. Um, and we also had the word Auburn just a couple lines before up there in verse one. We'll get Auburn a couple more times. And that's sort of really the only actual description of fire. Um, we're sort of using those metaphorical descriptions there. Okay. And again, we're going to activate that prayer in verse number two, right? So calling out Father O, right? So they're going to call back to that beginning prayer. They're calling back to Aule as the father of the dwarves uh, who created the first seven dwarves. This verse also ends with the line, desolation comes upon the sky. Now, desolation is the word that Tolkien used uh, to describe how Smog had sort of left the land as Thorin and, and Bilbo and company are traveling through the land. He calls it the desolation of the dragon. Uh, and this, again, is not so distant, but a little bit more immediate. Desolation is coming upon the sky, right? We have a dragon who is now attacking the dwarves, and this dragon will leave nothing in his wake but desolation. Okay, now we get the first chorus. And notice in this chorus, there is no if-then statement. Those are going to be in the verses. The verses kind of show that a little bit of hope, or maybe this will happen, maybe it won't. But in the chorus, not so much. Uh, Very first line, now I see fire. So there is no more if-then. It is now, this is reality, this is actually happening. There is fire. Therefore, that prayer from the very beginning is now activated we're asking for that blessing over Durin's sons to be watched over, to be kept over, to be guarded and protected. There's fire in the mountain. There's fire burning the trees, both very physical sort of things. Uh, but then we take one step into more of the metaphorical. I see fire hollowing souls. Uh, hollowing, a word here, which means to deprive a soul of its essential elements for functioning. Probably in this case, a body. A soul needs a body to function, uh, at least for the dwarves. In, in Tolkien's mythology, um, and I see fire, but then we even get a little bit more metaphor, metaphorical, blood in the breeze, which I really like because that has a bit of a double meaning to it, at least from what I can see. 
Blood in the breeze is one way of describing flame and fire as it's going through the wind, right? Remember, the lyrics never come out and say that fire is red, but uh, the lyrics are using these, these different words, right? Auburn, wine, blood in the breeze. So in one way, this is metaphorical in that, in that the fire is going through, through the wind. But in another way, blood in the breeze, blood is not supposed to be in the wind. It's supposed to be in our bodies because we're, we need blood to live, right? So blood in the breeze is, is another way of saying, you know, death has, has come upon the dwarves, right? So a little bit more metaphorical than those first physical lines. Again, that's one of those transformative journeys from the physical to the metaphorical. And then we get the last line of the chorus. I hope that you remember me. Go back to that prayer. Who is me? Me, in this case, is the representative of Durin's son, who is Thorin, the king of the dwarves at this time. Uh, we're hoping that the Aule, the creator of the dwarves, hoping the Aule will remember Thorin. We're trying to activate that prayer from the very first lines uh, of the song. Okay, now we move on to the next verse. And we start again with another if-then statement. Should my people fall, or another case, if my people fall, then I'll do the same. So again, my people are falling. There is an ending to my people, but solidarity. We're going to do this together. I will do the same. And uh, we're going to do it as we're confined in mountain halls. We can't escape. That's another theme with dwarves as they get stuck in their mountains when enemies come. Interesting line here in this verse. We, get, we got too close to the flame. Then we're starting to get a little hint in that line of maybe the dwarves have fallen from the will and the laws uh, of their creator. They're getting too close to the flame, maybe too close to something that they should not, uh, that they should not have. Maybe something that they've created that they're becoming too possessive of, or maybe something that they've found, aka the Arkenstone, uh, that, they, that they don't want to give up. And again, we're still a little bit distant here. We're watching the flames burning uh, on the mountain. So we're getting too close but not, not so close. We're still uh, in a little bit of a distance. Okay, chorus again. We get the, the, the same words, right? The physical to metaphorical journey. Uh, fire on the mountain, fire in the trees, uh, hollowing souls, blood in the breeze, the double meaning there. And again, the last line, I hope that you remember me activating the prayer. Uh, and again, just a reminder that this is something that's very immediate. It's very present. There is no if-then statement. It's not theoretical. This is actual reality. Now we come to the bridge. And if we look very closely, here is sort of the key to understanding this whole song, right? Uh, interesting enough, the bridge takes the pattern after the verses. It starts with an if-then statement. If the night is burning, then I will cover my eyes. Interesting. If the night is burning, I will cover my eyes. So. All that we've seen before, if fire is going to come, if we're going to end, I'm going to do this solidarity, I'm going to do this all together. Um, but here in the bridge, it's then I will cover my eyes. Sort of I, I am trying to distance myself from this fiery fate that has come upon me and upon my people. Uh, and then we get another if-then statement. For if the dark returns, then my brothers will die. Thorin knows, or, or the speaker of this song knows, that as dark returns, the brothers will die. That goes all the way back to the first lines of the song, that opening prayer. If we're going to end, then please remember us. Please keep watching us. As the sky is falling down, it crashed into this lonely town. Again, there's a very literal interpretation of that, right? Like, smog is falling down. He's crashing into the lonely town. 
destroying it in his first coming and really in his second coming before he dies by the arrow of Bard. And with that shadow upon the ground, I hear my people screaming out. So notice we've shifted. We've shifted from if-then statements to actual realities. So the bridge here is sort of taking the pattern of the, of the verses being if-then statements, hypotheticals, and the chorus being actualities. This bridge has condensed that into a, a much tighter pattern. We have the if-then statements, but now it's actual realities. Um, the sky is falling down. It's crashing down on the town. It's, it's cascading. It's crushing all the things below it. Um, the shadow is here. Uh, shadow is often a word used in Lord of the Rings to reference those things that are evil. Um, and the singer of this song hears his people screaming out. There is no if-then statement there. This is an actual reality. His people have come to an end. Now we get to the final chorus. And again, there's no if-then statement, right? Now I see fire inside the mountains, burning the trees, hollowing souls, blood in the breeze. Uh, and then we get to, to the, the closing sort of refrain here. Uh, first line, I see fire. So there is no hypothetical. There is no more hope. This is actual reality. Um, there is no if-then statement. Oh, you know, I saw a city burning, right? So past tense. This is now something in the past. There is no more hope to remember. Um, fire is burning everything down. And it is no longer something distant, right? We're not watching fire on the mountain or on the trees anymore. It's something so close to us that we feel the heat upon my skin. Um, that fire is not distant anymore. It has now become personal. So that is the final reality uh, of the dwarves. Did they get too close to something uh, and became possessive of something that they probably should have let go? And then the dragon came, burned them to fire. Be interesting to, to think that opening prayer, O misty eye of the mountain below, keep careful watch of my brother's souls. Should the sky be filled with fire and smoke, keep watching over Durin's sons. So we are. We're praying to Aule, the creator. The sky indeed was filled with fire and smoke. Did Aule honor this prayer? Did he keep the faith of the dwarves? Did he keep watching over Durin's sons? Well, I think that's maybe a debatable point. Uh, the Thorin and his company were able to come back. Smog was defeated, although not by the dwarves' hands. And Thorin was able to reclaim the mountain of Erebor. But he lost his own life in the process, as well as Feely and Keely. And honestly, that is the first place that my mind go goes to when I hear the words, keep careful watch of my brother's souls. Thorin was the uncle of Feely and Keely. They had a very tight relationship. Did Aule, the eye of the mountain, did he watch over their souls? Uh, I'm certain that he did and that he helped them in, in a way that, um, that only works in, in Middle Earth, right? Sometimes our hopes are not entirely um, honored in a timeline or in an exact way that we would like, yet I think this prayer still holds true. Misty eye of the mountain below, keep careful watch of my brother's souls. And I think that's perhaps a prayer that all of us could raise up um, in our own ways and in our own lives. So kudos to Ed Sharon for um, these lyrics. Again, I have no idea what his... Uh, what his depth of knowledge is in terms of Lord of the Rings and reading the lore or looking at Tolkien. I don't know if somebody sat down with him and said, Hey, here's some major themes that we're going for. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody did. Peter Jackson, somebody said something. Um, but, uh, 
I give Ed Sheeran an A plus for these lyrics. I think they fit very well, perfectly um, as a song for the Lord of the Rings. Okay, let's take a very brief break. And when we get back, let's take a look at the last goodbye from the final Hobbit film. We'll be right back. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Wanderers. Let's dig into The Last Goodbye from the third Hobbit film, The Battle of Five Armies. The Last Goodbye, written and performed by Billy Boyd. None other than Paragon took himself. Billy Boyd, great performer, great actor, wonderful, wonderful lyrics here that we'll dig into. Um, Just a quick little piece of trivia. The song that Pippin sings in the courts of Minas Tirith in The Return of the King, um, they had it in the script, right? Pippin was going to sing a song, but uh, they didn't actually write the song. And Billy kind of saw that in the script, and he kind of went and, and looked at a couple things, did a little bit of research, and he actually wrote his own little song based off of um, some of the poems in the book. Um, you know, home is, home is behind the world ahead. There are many paths to tread. He created that song, and when the time came to film the scene, they were like, oh, no, we, did, we forgot about this song. And Billy says, well, here, I've got this thing. And he sings it, and Peter Jackson says, boom, let's go with it. Uh, and so they did. And they used Billy Boyd's song there in Return of the King. So I think it's very fitting here that as we look at the last Hobbit film, the very last song uh, is written and performed by Billy Boyd. And again, similar to Ed Sheeran, I don't know Billy's, his, his depth of knowledge in the lore, how much he's read. I assume he's read quite a bit because they were pretty big on that on, on the Lord of the Rings set. But again, I'm going to give uh, Billy Boyd an A plus here on these lyrics. I think you'll see why. Okay, so the major theme of this song, obviously it's called The Last Goodbye. The major theme here is farewell, right? All good things come to an end. In fact, if I were to sum this up in a couple of words, I'd say there's sort of a, a resolve from this song. There is a, a peace in how things um, have, have fallen out in the journey and in the adventure and in the story. And they are all parting in friendship, right? And this comes from the very first lines of the song. Uh, as the snowflakes cover my fallen brothers. And clearly this song is from the Hobbit's perspective, right? From, from Bilbo's perspective. And so to know that Bilbo is considering the dwarves his fallen brothers, um, <clears throat> he had all the reason to, to not. I mean, Thorin was, was pretty angry with, with Bilbo there towards the end, but they did have a moment of reconciliation before Thorin died. And so Bilbo was looking at this as... Um, uh, as fallen brothers, right? And brothers is, is a relationship. It's a bond even more than just simple friendship. If you look at Thorne and Bilbo, they started out as sort of employer and employee with a contract, and then they sort of became friends. And then uh, here at the end, Bilbo is considering them his fallen brothers, right? And, and now he will say his last, last goodbye. Night is falling, so ends this day. The road is now calling, and I must away. Now, as I read these things, I feel like 
there is a lot of there's a sense of wandering here the road is calling the road is almost a entity unto itself that has a will and a power of its own it's sort of an actor in the fate of all of these characters the road is calling and and i must i must away i must abide by that call in fact that reminds me of the lyrics of this wandering day from from the rings of power another a plus song in my opinion and i did do an episode of that a few months ago if you want to take a look at that but anyway some of these lines come directly from with a little bit of tweaks but come from poems in the lord of the rings so over hill and under tree under cloud and beneath the stars over snow and winter's morn i turn at last to paths that lead home again these lines are pretty much lifted from the hobbit and lord of the rings and maybe with a tweak to uh, you know a word or two here or there, they they come right in here, and so that's why I think this song as a whole really feels like it is the music of of Middle Earth. This song feels like it fits right. It blends, it harmonizes with everything else that we know about Middle Earth, and I think a lot of that is due to these lines that come directly from Tolkien's Tolkien's words, and they're very natural. Under cloud, beneath stars. Um, silver streams, snow, and winter's morn. Uh, these are very natural type of uh, of descriptions, very natural things, and that was, that was a big theme for Tolkien. He was very big into describing the nature of where the characters were walking and where the story was taking place. But that is a big theme for Tolkien: describing the nature, getting out of nature. There's there's some key lines here in the chorus. I turn at last to paths that lead home, and though where the road then takes me, I cannot tell. Even at home, the road is still going to call this wanderer. The road will continue calling. The road will continue on. The road goes ever on and on, even after we've returned home, right? There's always some other call to adventure. More on that in just a moment. Let's take a look at the next verse. Many places I have been, many sorrows I have seen. Sorrows. That is a key word to understand Tolkien's works. That is a key theme. That through sorrow, through challenge, and through grief, um, that is how these characters grow. That is how they overcome evil. That is how good conquers. Um, It's not an absence of sorrow. It's not an absence of challenge or problems. It is only by suffering through that sorrow and rising up to meet it with your friends that evil can can be overcome. And again, we get a little bit more solidarity, right? I don't regret, nor will I forget all who took that road with me. Uh, again, that bond more than friendship. We are now, we are now brothers. If we come back to the chorus. There's more language here, more language that is um, closing a finality, right? Night is falling. The day is ending. Um, we must away. So we get back to this idea of all good things come to an end. We've had a great journey. We've had a wonderful adventure, but all those things must, must end because the road is now calling. Uh, we get to the bridge, and this is where some of the key takeaways uh, of the song come, right? To these memories, I will hold. With your blessing, I will go. We're parting in friendship. We're bonding in brotherhood. To paths that lead home. But again, home is a place where the road can still call you from. There's still adventures to be had, still explorations to embark upon. Where the road takes me, I cannot tell. But we came all this way. Now comes the day. To bid you farewell, and what kind of a farewell? I bid you all a very fond farewell. So again, that theme of all good things come to a close. 
or do they? Now, this is a really interesting thing in the world of Tolkien. There is a song in The Hobbit um, as Bilbo is returning to the Shire. He sees his home for the very first time. And suddenly, as if the words seem to pop into his brain, he sings the song, Roads go ever on and on over rock and under tree by caves where never sun has shone by streams that never find the sea. And it goes on. Um, but this song is repeated several times throughout the Lord of the Rings, right? That the road goes ever on and on. There's another instance in which when Bilbo is leaving his home in the Shire in the Fellowship as he's making his way to Rivendell, he again sings a, a version of this song, right? The road goes ever on and on out from the door where it began. Frodo, as he is in the process of leaving the Shire, he also sings a version of this song. And afterwards, as he does, Pippin, is, Pippin sort of asks him, like, hey, is that, is that something you wrote or is that something that Bilbo wrote? And Frodo says, you know, I don't know. It, 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 it came to me then. This song of the road going ever on seems to just appear in Bilbo's mind and in Frodo's mind. And uh, I'm going to read a paragraph here from The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, parts of this were actually used in the Fellowship movie, um, so it may sound familiar. This is Frodo talking to Pippin, referring to Bilbo. If you can keep that all straight in your brain, then uh, you get an A+. Anyway, quote, he used, he used often to say there was only one road, that it was like a great river. Its springs were at every doorstep, and every path was its tributary. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out of your door, he used to say. You step into the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. Do you realize that this is the very path that goes through Mirkwood, and that if you let it, it might take you to the Lonely Mountain, or even further and to worse places? He used to say that on the path outside the front door at Bag End, especially after he had been out for a long walk. I really love this idea, and in fact, this theme, as it's articulated here, is really one of the things that intrigues me the most about the Lord of the Rings, is the interconnectedness of everything. It's represented here by the road. If you go stand on your doorstep, whether you live in a house or, or an apartment or in a car, I don't know where you live, but if you stand on your doorstep and you think, this path connects to that road that connects to that road that connects to that road, all of these places are interconnected, and it's these roads that we travel that, that sort of bring everything together. You could go from Bag End to Mordor just by stepping out of your door. In fact, that's exactly what Frodo's going to do. He's going to leave Bag End and go, and go to Mordor. Uh, luckily, Bilbo got to go to the Lonely Mountain. But these, this interconnectedness of the roads is really intriguing and fascinating to me, this theme in The Lord of the Rings. But this theme of the roads and their interconnectedness and their going ever on and on, I think is actually a metaphor for another theme in the world of Tolkien and The Lord of the Rings. And that particular theme is that not only do roads go ever on and on, but the tales and adventures also are interconnected and go ever on and on. Like, for example, I really love this passage as Sam and Frodo are climbing. This is in the chapter, The Stairs of Kirith Ungol from the Two Towers. And Sam is sort of reminiscing about all the different tales that he has learned thus far. And, and uh, this is where, you know, they get that line from the movie of, I wonder if we'll be ever be, you know, putting songs or tales. Sam says this to Mr. Frodo, quote, Baron now, he never thought he was going to get that Silmaril from the Iron Crown in Thangorodrim, and yet he did, and that was a worse place and a blacker danger than ours, but that's a long tale, of course, and goes on past the happiness and into grief and beyond it, 
Ah, there's that theme of sorrow as well that I was mentioning earlier. Anyway, continuing. And the Silmaril went on and came to Aedindil. And why, sir, I never thought of that before. We've got, you've got some of the light of it in the star glass that the lady gave you. Why, to think of it, we're in the same tale still. It's going on. Don't the great tales never end? And Frodo responds, No, they never end as tales. But the people in them come and go when their parts ended. Our part will end later or sooner. So I love this little reminiscing by, by Sam and Frodo as they're on the way to Mordor to destroy the One Ring, obviously doing the greatest task that any hobbits or really anyone in Middle-earth ha- had done, really, in comparison to, to what Baron and Luthien were able to do. Uh, and, you know, Frodo's response, right? The great tales never do end, but certain characters have different parts to play and their parts will eventually end in, in that particular tale or that particular adventure. Now, I mentioned that this song, The Road Goes Ever On and On, it's, uh, it, it pops up four times, once in The Hobbit and three times in The Whole Lord of the Rings. In the final time, it's popped up again by Bilbo, who, who takes this song again and he changes it slightly. In every other case, the road is going ever on. You've got to keep your feet because you're just going to wander through Middle Earth and you never know where you're going to be swept off to. All of these places are interconnected. There's even another song where around some pathway, uh, there might be some new gate that I've never seen before, and uh, I'll pass that today, but maybe on another day I'll come and, and go that way. Everything's interconnected. And yet, in this last version of The Road Goes Ever On and On, Bilbo sings it like this, quote, The road goes ever on and on, out from the door where it began. Now far ahead the road has gone. Let others follow it who can. Let them a journey new begin. But I, at last, with weary feet, will turn towards the lighted inn, my evening rest and sleep to meet. And then Bilbo falls asleep. This is from the chapter Many Partings from, from The Return of the King. So this road, uh, in, in, many, in many instances, this, this poem, this song, The Road of Gazevron, it speaks to that interconnectedness of everything. But yet there is a part in our tales that comes to an end. There's a part where where our contribution to the adventure is over, and the story continues. Uh, the tales, the great tales, uh, never end, even though our parts in them may just do that. Um, so the interconnectedness of roads and of tales and adventures, and yet it is the role and the great challenge and the call to adventure of every generation to take up the new challenge, to defeat evil in the way that it's encountered, for them, for Bilbo, that was to find the One Ring and to overcome the Dragon Smog, survive the Battle of Five Armies. Uh, for Frodo, it was to destroy the One Ring and to challenge uh, Sauron. For Galadriel and Gandalf and Elrond and the White Council, obviously they wanted to overcome Sauron as well. You think back to the First Age of Middle-earth, you had great heroes like Fingolfin who went and challenged Morgoth himself and had actual hand-to-hand combat. Um, with the with the Dark Lord himself, every generation has its challenge. The tale continues. The road goes ever on and on. What is your part in this great adventure that we call life? What tales are you connected to? What roads have you found your feet on? Where will you go? What well, what will you do with the challenge that is given you? Uh, or <laughs> that sparks in my mind the words uh, of Gandalf. Right. All we have to do is to decide what to do with the time that is given us. Now, I just totally butchered that line, so I hope you'll forgive me, right? But Gandalf, right? 
All we have to decide is what to do with the time uh, that is given us. And uh, so, what will you do with the time that is given you? And for today, uh, I bid you all a very fond farewell. Thanks for wandering Middle-earth with me today. I bid you all a very fond farewell. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Raise your hand if this has happened to you today. You're in the middle of work, you're knocking things off the to-do list, getting stuff done, and your kid asks you to play. Do you drop everything? Do you ask them to wait a minute? What do you do? If you're like me, you don't always say yes right away. The kid moves on, you get busy, and you forget to circle back around and play. An opportunity to make a memory has been lost, and the dad guilt settles in. Not so anymore. I've developed a simple game that will enable you to take those small moments and have fun. It's called Dad's Adventure Dice Digital Edition. My five-year-old daughter asks me nearly every day, can we do Dad Adventure Dice? What follows are some quick rolls of the dice that lead to a fun activity with an intriguing twist. Within five or ten minutes, we've had a lot of fun, shared a lot of laughter, and made a memory together. Download your own Dad's Adventure Dice today. Visit store.adventures.dad to download yours. That's store.adventure.dad to download Dad's Adventure Dice.